All right, this week's card is Incinerate, a classic. Incinerate is one... Oh, that actually matters. <laughs> I can't edit that out. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just dropping things near the microphone. <laughs> oh, I banged on the table and it caught. I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see what happens. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. don't touch the table. All right. <laughs> it's just weird to do this not wearing headphones where I don't notice that I'm, like, dropping things on the floor. Right. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 43 of the podcast formerly known as Let's Remember Some Cards. That's right, as we promised a couple episodes ago, we have rebranded and are now the Memory Jar. So welcome to the Memory Jar. We are here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. Hello, I'm David Prestwood, and with me as always is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited for this rebrand, and I'm excited because this week we're doing something we've never done once before. What can you describe what we're doing? Yes, we are recording together in person. We are in my basement in the suburbs of Minneapolis here at the tail end of Magic Fest Minneapolis. We spent the last three days in the Minneapolis Convention Center avoiding the rain, playing magic, and talking to people and friends of the show. We had a blast. We had, a, I, we did have a fantastic time. And thanks to you for hosting me this weekend, we got to play some modern, we got to play some cube. We played Modern Horizons Sealed, we got to appreciate Battlemon, and playing two at a giant with a set designed specifically for it. Yes, what a weekend. We battle bonded like crazy. In addition to playing Magic, we got to talk some Magic, so we asked Magic Fest attendees to talk about their favorite three-colored card. So we're going to hear today from Calvin Chang, Eli Loveman, Greg Michael, Andrew Ellenbogen, Ian Jensen, Ryan Overturf, and Eric Carlstead about their favorite cards from Wedges and Shards. You like that? Is that a nice rhyme? This is a good one. It like really flows. It's got okay. a lot of like that alliteration to it. And the, not the alliteration. What's the other one? The consonants. Uh, rhyming. Rhyming works too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but before we get to that, with the help of the random card button on Scryfall, let's crack open the memory jar. This week's card is a classic. Originally printed in Ice Age, it is Incinerate. One and a red for an instant. It deals three damage to any target, and a creature dealt damage this way can't be regenerated this turn. This is a classic. Yeah, yeah. I said originally from Ice Age, reprinted in Mirage, 5th edition, and 10th edition, as well as a couple world championship decks, some theme decks, and the version we got from Scryfall is from the Deckmaster series. So oh. there were two versions in that there was a regular one and then a foil version the foil version is actually the one that's in my popper cube because it's the only foil that has the old border and the old bordered foils look amazing they do look amazing the art on every incinerate is fantastic but the original is absolutely fantastic it's actually very um dark there's a bunch of people being burned alive so not something you can just show to like say a seven-year-old and be like, "Hey, this is Magic the Gathering. We burn people." Yeah. Hey, why are those skeletons on fire? Well, those were people a minute ago, honey. <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out very well. Well, here's the crazy thing. So they had to tone it down, and the tone down card is still a standard staple, and that's Lightning Strike, right? That's right. You know, we're not doing a lot of regenerating these days, but this was very powerful, and so we're always happy to play Lightning Strike. It's a constructed staple, and it's just not as good as Incinerate. No. Plus, the other nice thing that this has going for it is flavor text. I know you are a Jaya Ballard fan. Oh, my God. So there's some 
I'm not going to name names. I'm going to name names. Look, so you got Airtie and you got Jace. Those are two most overused flavor text people that everyone thinks are clever, but they're really stupid. But Jaya Ballard, whoever wrote Jaya Ballard's flavor text, I hope they just keep going to the well for her because she always has the best flavor text. And what was the one on this card? This one is, yes, I think toast is an appropriate description. That's pretty dehumanizing, Jaya, I gotta say. <laughs> just turn good. people into toast. Well, she's now, what, the nice, wise grandmother? Like the Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah, if Obi Kenobi was a pyro, like to burn people alive. <laughs> no, that's really right. And actually, for all we know, he was. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. You know, they don't really go over the time in uh, uh, Digger, that sand planet very well. Uh, that's Tatooine. It's Tatooine. I've had like Legacy and Modern on the mind and Hogak. So like things like Tatooine in Luke Skywalker, back of the brain. I'm sorry. If you're forgetting Star Wars references, you need to take a break. <laughs> we need to go back to basics. <laughs> that's a good card. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of going back to basics, as I mentioned, we interviewed people at Magic Fest Minneapolis about their favorite three color cards. And we're going to start today with Calvin Chang. All right. We are here at Magic Fest Minneapolis with Calvin Chang. Calvin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a local Magic player in the Twin Cities area. Um, I've been playing Magic since uh, Gate Crash. Uh, Gate Crash pre-release was my very first event. And since then, um, I've kind of... Uh, jumped into the whole uh, grindy thing. Um, haven't quite had any good tournament results, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a ride. Uh, limited is my favorite format. That's awesome. Well, I hope you can grind out some limited GPs then, because that's uh, I've done that. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's plenty of time for results. So we want to talk to you today about your favorite three-color card, and I know you have one that is close to your heart. Take it away. Sure. So my favorite three-color card is Flying Crane Technique. Um, it is a rare from Cons of Tarkir. Um, the reason why it is my favorite card, uh, well, when it first came out, uh, the art for it was very iconic, and uh, I thought, wow, this looks like super fun. You know, you got three characters just doing the whole, you know, kung fu poses. Haruya had a uh, social media post where they had three guys just kind of mimicking the same pose, and I thought that was hilarious. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, meme credit there. <laughs> so this card, if I recall correctly, is three and Jeskai for an instant? Yes. And your creatures get flying, double strike, and you untap them. That is correct. Okay. So I assume you have another reason that you like this card besides, you know, social media posts. <laughs> yeah. So um, as I said before, I do play a lot of limited. Uh, Constant Turkey is by far my favorite limited format as far as, you know, draft goes, triple cons. Um, I did play it in a couple Grand Prix for that, and uh, it has never uh, betrayed me. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember very distinctly there was a match in one of my Grand Prix where I was playing against a uh, rather well-known player. Um, and uh, I had a board where I was dead to rights, um, very low life total. He had a wide board. And uh, the only way that I could have got out of it was uh, to top deck a flying crane technique. <laughs> and so much like uh, the Karate Kid, um, the underdog won using a very sweet kung fu move. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and so, how many flying crane techniques do you have? We got a binder here. Oh my god! So what we're looking at here, they're foils and regular and the foreign language ones. Ooh, it's one signed. And 11, 12, 13. So 13 times eight. 104, 104, yeah, 103, 104, yeah, over 100. <laughs> As we look at that binder, there is one that says Happy New Year on it. Can you tell us about that one? <laughs> yeah, so the Happy New Year one, uh, we had a house draft um, on New Year's. We did triple cons again. We faced off, it was me versus uh, a friend of mine. We were both uh, 2-0 at this point. We met up on the you know final table, whatever you want to call it. And he drafted a pretty good Jeskai, like prowess, goblin slide type 
deck. Very sweet. I ended up with just like a, you know, average, uh, not Sultai, uh, teamer deck. You know, we were kind of going back and forth. You know, he got game one, I got game two. Uh, we go to game three, and he's like, I think I have you dead. He swings out with his team, and he says, okay, before blocks, I'm going to cast Flying Crane Technique. At this point, I had a morph. So I was like, dude, you know that's my card. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I unmorph my morph, and it's Keru Spell Snatcher. Oh. And so I'm like, I'll take that. <laughs> that is extremely disgusting and uh, the perfect kind of story for a card you want to remember. That's a great way to ring in New Year, too. I am going to take your card, play my card, and kill you. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. So that one that says Happy New Year that's signed, I was like, can I have that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, can I get you to sign it? And I'm like, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. That is awesome. For our listeners, we're going to have Calvin on at some point in the future because he has a sweet Ravnica-only cube. Mm. And as you know, we love talking about unique cubes. So look for that in the future. Yeah. And uh, what type of lands do you have in your Ravnica? cube oh <laughs> so in my ravnica cube i'm currently chasing down uh the old 2005 mps japanese promos they have the original ravnica art on them and then in the text box they have the watermark for like the guild plus like the name of the guild on the other side of the mana symbol so kind of hard to find especially they're pretty old but yeah they're a nice touch they're super sweet aggressive i like it <laughs> talk about blinging it out all right thank you calvin thank you that story was great <laughs> Calvin is pure gasoline, and I look forward to having him on the show in the future. Christian, what does this remind you of? Uh, it reminds me of 70 songs about Kung Fu fighting. Okay. And the Karate Kid. Yeah. When you see this, I can just picture, like, Daniel-san standing on the post on the beach in the crane <laughs> kick pose. And when I mentioned this card to a couple people after we interviewed Calvin at the tournament, they all immediately did the crane kick pose. <laughs> so I think that's, that's the reference here. But this card was very good. I remember seeing it and saying, this seems just like a big combat trick, but it really did just win games. Oh yeah, it just wins games. And it's one of those things like, this is probably the only correctly costed combat trick in existence, because <laughs> when you look at all the all the things it's doing, you're like, uh, this has to be pretty broken and dumb. Untap everything, plus flying, plus double strike. Yeah, that seems to get the job done. Yeah. Here's all the damage. I will say, it's in America colors. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a very America thing to do. Fly in, double... No, okay, it's getting too political. <laughs> Our next one is from a favorite of the podcast, great friend of ours, Eli Loveman, who's going to talk about a charm close to his heart. So we're here with a fantastic friend of the podcast and noted Mythic Championship winner, Eli Loveman. Hey, Eli, how's it going? What's up? Is it Mythic Champion? Mythic Championship Champion? Like, what, what is the proper nomenclature? Uh, Pro Toy Champion. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, what three-color card do you want us to talk about today? Easy. Abzan Charm. Not close. What does it do? Abzan Charm is an instant for a white, a black, and a green. You can choose one. You either sign in blood, you lose to life and draw two cards. You exile a creature with power 3 or greater, or you distribute two plus one plus one counters among creatures. It's a good one. Yeah, certainly my favorite charm from that cycle. What spoke to you about it? Well, it was definitely the, the most played because, like, it was part of, like, a slightly two-pushed series of cards. <laughs> where just, like, all the Abzan ones were just a little bit better. It was, like, Siege Rhino and Anafenza and whatnot. But the real reason that I love Abzan charm is because I love bad combat tricks. And Amzan Charm's an excuse to put a bad combat trick in your constructed deck. It's like, when would I ever get to distribute two plus one plus one counters on creatures, you know? 
And sometimes you get to do it. Like, my Siege Rhino really needs to be a 5-6 right now, and I'll make something else bigger too, I guess. You gotta beat theirs, you know, when they block. Right. That's nice. Yeah, you gotta break the mirror somehow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big fan of Obzon Charm. I won a sealed league at Labyrinth back in D.C. where you open six packs and then you add a pack to the pool every week. It was a nice casual Tuesday night event. And in my first six packs, there were three Obzon Charms, so that made it pretty easy. Yeah. It works out. I love to draft it. But then again, I did that for any card that had at least two colors. I was just like... (laughs) How gold is it? Very gold. Very gold. Is there a land in the pack? No, take the gold card. Next card. Well, appreciate it. And uh, we will see you soon. And have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you very much. Yeah, Obzon Charm. I mean, Cons of Tarkir did some really funny things. It's rare that you see three color cards dominate like this. But by my count, this card won six Grand Prix and two Pro Tours, and two World Championships as a four of. Would you say it's uncommon? (laughs) I would, yeah. You know, pretty powerful uncommon. The interesting thing about this, as compared to the other charms, is it certainly versatile, and you wouldn't pay Obzon for any of the three effects, but I would pay two and a white to exile a creature with power three or greater, and I would probably pay two and a black to draw two cards and lose two life, and I would pay two and a green to put two plus one plus one counters amongst creatures I control. So... You really do get a lot of value here, and, you know, just very flexible, very cool. And that's why the charm is always so good, right? Like, having the option to do any one of those three cards yes. in Commander, in casual kitchen table play, and tournaments is so much more powerful because it's, sa- you, what, you save a minimum three cards, right, in your deck? <laughs> yeah, I think the distinction here is that with a lot of the other charms, you're not getting the same amount of value where... This really is greater than the sum of its parts, and some of the other ones, you're just paying extra for the flexibility. Right. Yeah, especially like the old ones from Mirage, right? The one mana ones. It's yes. like, these are all terrible on its own. Yeah, none of these are a card. No. So, But this is three cards that you would find reason to play at different times. As Eli said, that standard format, that was not hard. So, Okay, on to our next guest. It's Greg Michael. Take it away. All right, we are here at Magic Fest Minneapolis with friend of the show, Greg Michael. Greg, what three-color card do you want to remember with us today? Today, I want to remember Gahiji Honored One from the second Commander set. So Gahiji Honored One is a five-mana. It's two and a green, white, and red, so it's Naya colors. It's a legendary creature, Beast, a 4-4, and it has the text, whenever a creature attacks one of your opponents or a planeswalker they control, it gets plus 2, plus 0. So when you attack, your creatures get bigger, and when your opponents attack, as long as they're not attacking you, their creatures get bigger. Um, So I love this card because one of my first commander decks was a mostly white token deck, and I used this as my commander, um, and it was able to pump all my tokens that attacked while encouraging my opponents to not attack me. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Nice. So uh, I imagine there's a lot of... So there's a lot of shadow politicking. You were like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Yeah, definitely it's a good way to encourage other people to attack uh, your opponents, but I think the best thing to do with it is just use it to pump your own creatures. Like, make a bunch of tokens, and then your commander is like a big anthem while they're attacking. And they printed Sell the Wreckage a couple of years later. That seems like a decent combo with it. <laughs> yeah, maybe more of a combo against it, because you have a lot of creatures and attacking, and if your opponent has Settle the Wreckage, you are uh, in, a bad, in a bad place. 
but you get a bunch of lands, which is really good in Commander. So that's true. Yeah. True. Accurate. No, this is really cool. When you said that this is what you want to remember, I realized I've never actually seen this used as a Commander, <laughs> though it was in that second set, and almost every other Commander going deep into those products was used at various times. So it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. It's almost like the curses they've been printing. You know, yeah. where you it's one opponent, but it's just like everybody attack anyone but me. Perfect for Commander. Yeah. Some of the Commander decks have some really like powerful, splashy Commanders on the front, and then behind those they have some kind of cool, more niche Commanders that don't quite quite get as much love. Um, but I really like finding uses for cards like that. Oh yeah, and I mean, seeing it again, I kind of want to now find a copy and build another, build it again. Yeah. Sadly, I don't really use this Commander deck anymore, but it was my first ever Commander deck, so it will always have a special place in my heart. That is fantastic. Well, thanks for letting us remember a Hiji Honored one today. Yeah, as I said, would love to build a commander deck with this. This is so cool. You know, as Greg said, this affects every other opponent, and so it really encourages you to attack others. There are a lot of those effects in Commander more recently. I think of Goad from the second Commander set mm -hmm. that requires creatures to attack as long as they're not attacking you. Pretty cool effects in, in Commander. This one is not the most played. It's the seventh most popular Naya Commander, mm -hmm. according to EDHREC. But I have to say, the art is pretty incredible. In my mind, I had this as some kind of Loxodon or something, but it just is a giant horrifying beast <laughs> with a bunch of people looking like they're maybe worshipping it, right? They're honoring it. He is the honored one. And so I really like how flavorful that is. It's like, these are the creatures that, as he's roaring, are going to go attack your opponents and get close to close oh, yeah. This is really cool because usually when I think of Nai, I think of big, dumb creatures. While Gahiji is the underrated sub-theme for every single one of those colors, which is tokens, right? Yep. It's like, I'm just going to make a little, bunch of little dudes, but they love me, and they don't love you. So you can get out. <laughs> All right, pretty strong. Next, we're going to go talk to Andrew Ellenbogen. So, uh, we're here with uh, another fantastic Pro Tour champion, one and only Andrew Allen Bogan. Yeah, that's me. I agree. <laughs> Woo! So, what are we talking about today? Uh, talking about Sadisi Brood Tyrant. That's a good one. Yeah, so uh, Sadisi is a uh, one Sultai 3 3, and when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you mill three, and then whenever you mill a creature, you get a 2 2 zombie. That's uh, it's pretty dope. A lot yeah. of zombies. Agreed. Uh, so my story with this card, and what I remember to say, is uh, in my first ever Pro Tour, I played Sadisi Whip with four Kavi Sadisi. And what you should know about this Pro Tour is that there were like three people in the room playing Sadisi Whip. Like, I know this is a Tier 1 deck later, but at the time, no one knew this like even a thing that like existed. And so it was awesome. Oh, that sounds awesome. Like, I had it as a commander, but uh, I remember that deck. That deck was super sweet. Yeah, and, and actually what happened is, uh, so I was playing like an enchantment package net, like I had like Eidolon of the, the Blossoms and like Doomweight Giant and Nyx Weaver was a nice yeah, one. Yeah, like, that was yeah. hot. Yeah, trigger, trigger that to DC with those mills. And so what happened is uh, I was playing against Robert Victory in the first construction round of the PT, and Robert Victory made a turn five Hornet Queen on the play against me, which is very good in his Green Devotion deck. And I slammed Doomwake Giant and killed like everything he had. It was it was great. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, anytime you can put a card like Whip of Erebos in a deck with cards like Sidisi, you're, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, that's that's. I mean, that's mostly my story. It was a great deck. I had a good record of that PT. Uh, I finished nine and seven, which was pretty decent for my first ever PT. And yeah, absolutely. I yeah. I, I really uh, I really like Sidisi. Yeah. It's a fantastic card. So. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Sidisi was cool. One thing before we move on, I do want to clarify that 
The way CityZ operates is when one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from your library, you make one 2-2 two, two black zombie. So if you get three creature cards, it's still just one zombie. You know, in this world we live in where there's a lot of broken black and green cards, would it really have been so bad to get a zombie for every creature card you milled? Yes, Christian. I mean, this card was cool. The deck was very cool. I think it was probably more cool than it was successful, but that probably would have made it busted. I do want to note one thing about Sidisi, poor Sidisi. So this card, as we mentioned, was from Khans, and then in Fate Reforged, when they went back and changed the timeline, there was a Sidisi in Dragons of Tarkir that was not a Naga Shaman, but was a zombie Naga, a Sidisi <laughs> Undead Vizier, so things did not go as well for Sidisi after the time change. She would probably be mad at Sarkin if she weren't, you know, just a zombie. Right. Is that, is that the story? I honestly kind of tuned out after they revealed the timeline. Yeah, I mean, it's Sarkin's fault. Oh, it's all Sarkin's fault. Yeah, he just went back and changed time, and then when he went forward again, he was like, oh, now there are dragons, and I love dragons. I'm like, dragon guy, I'm going to turn into a dragon and fly around with all the dragons, because there are dragons. Uh, So, yeah, it's basically his fault. Yeah. I don't know if CDC knows that, but... No, but I will say, I did have the herds of Commander, and she was pretty great. Yeah, I've certainly seen this in Commander a bunch of different times. Very, very popular one. So we're going from one cons of Tarkir uh, leader to another. Let's talk to Ian Jensen and see what he has to say about another famed clan leader. We're here at Magic Fest Minneapolis with Ian Jensen, recent Pro Tour competitor in Barcelona. Ian, you have a card you want to remember for us today. Oh, yes. So Zergo Helm Smasher is the card I want to remember because it has exactly one speed. What speed is that? Zergo. <laughs> it hits for seven the same turn. You can't block it because it takes your helm. It smashes it. That's right. It's pretty that's cool right. So Zergo Helm Smasher is two in Mardu. That's red, white, black for a 7-2 legendary orc warrior with haste. It attacks each combat of able. It is indestructible as long as it's your turn. And whenever a creature dealt damage by it dies, Zergo gets counters. He gets bigger. He's just You just play him and smash and smash and smash. He's a thick boy. That goes one speed and it's Zergo. Yeah. All right. Did you do anything crazy with him? My first draft of cons ever, I cast it on turn five, and I won. That's why it's my favorite. <laughs> memories. Good memories. Good well, thanks for joining thanks. us for that. Thank you. You may have been able to tell that Ian sounded like he was fading into the distance there. Pairings came out for, for his round, and so he had to run off. But it was great to talk to Ian. We have been meaning to have him on the podcast for a while. Unfortunately, we were not able to have him on the podcast before Mythic Championship Barcelona, so he didn't win the whole thing. As you know, if you're on our podcast, you just go ahead and you win Mythic Championships slash Pro Tours. Uh, he did make day two, however, in his first Mythic Championship. So that's pretty good. Yeah, kudos for him. That was that was really exciting. Yeah, so let's talk about Zergo here. So didn't really see a lot of uh, tournament play, but this is a fun one for more casual formats, right? Yeah, this is a commander, and as we said, he goes one speed. Zergo speed. So if you want your commander deck to be a full-on beat-down explosion, yeah, maybe Zergo's your option. Right, and you can go Voltron with him, right? Just be like, you have to kill the Zergo. If you don't kill the Zergo, he's going to go ham. Other thing with commander especially is that, so he's a Mm 7-2. It only takes three hits from Zergo to kill yeah, that's right. 21 commander damage is the total that makes your opponent lose the game. So if you get in three hits with Zergo and they're dead. To that end, I think the way I would build Zergo is with board wipes because he's indestructible on your turn. Oh, so Wrath okay. of God seems very good. Yeah. And then cards that give you multiple combats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you want to go Zergo speed, you got to smash and then you got to untap and smash again and untap and smash again. Zergo speed! Zergo speed! It's uh, it is very appropriate with the whole timeline BS with Zergo that you would get to attack 
get a chance to attack twice. It's kind of like, you know, you're like rewinding it, like run, Lola, run. You're like, That's right. Zoom, 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 take it over again. So very much like CDC, when the timeline was changed and we saw Zergo and Dragons of Tarkir, he was uh, Zergo Bell Striker. He was no longer smashing helms. He was ringing a bell that let people know that the dragons were on their way and they should hide. And so he was a one-mana 2-2 that can't block creatures with power 2 or greater. So just a little guy, not indestructible, not... No, no, nope. just that. Just kind of a coward. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, he smashes in there, but he just dies to everything. Right, Yeah. right. So speaking of three-colored, seven-powered creatures, let's talk to Ryan Overturf. All right, we are here just before the last round at Magic Fest Minneapolis, and we are talking to friend of the podcast, Ryan Overturf, who has a three-color card he would like to remember. Ryan. The three-color card that I would like to remember, arguably the coolest three-color card and maybe coolest magic card of all time is Maelstrom Wanderer from the Unbeatable Teamer Shard. <laughs> wedge. Sorry, that's a wedge. That, that's, 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 that's fair. Correct. It is a wedge. Yeah. Uh, not Grixis. A little off-brand. So what is it about Maelstrom Wanderer that speaks to you specifically? Anything could happen, and no matter what it is, it is likely to be very bad for your opponent. <laughs> like, not only is it double cascade, but it gives your other stuff haste. That's just bonkers. It is bonkers. Like, it's one of the few commanders I've ever played where I'm like, I can't. I can't play this anymore. It's not. This is not fun. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think it's super fun. Like Animar is like really boring or whatever. It does the same thing every time. But Maelstrom Wanderer just, what's in the box? Anything can happen. <laughs> so Maelstrom Wanderer is five and Teamer. That's blue, red, green for a seven-five elemental, legendary elemental. It gives creatures you control, including itself, haste. And then, as Ryan said, it has the text Cascade, comma Cascade. That's nice. <laughs> One of a few. Rare instances of having a keyword repeated twice on a card. You don't see that a lot. There's a card that has double flanking, mm. I believe. Uh, and then there's some of that stuff. Um, but Maelstrom Wanderer is a card, if it is in your cube, I do not have whatever it takes inside of a person to pass it. Yeah, I would say that is a that is very hard to pass in any cube. And uh, a critical component of your spooky cube. Well, critical is strong. Uh, it really warps what the blue and green cards in the cube are. Uh, I do have one card of every three color set in the cube. Maelstrom Wanderer is the teamer card, and there really aren't any acceptable replacements. So in that sense, I guess it is locked in. Yeah, you look at this picture, it's like, that's something the Ghostbusters would fight. Oh yeah, it's extremely unsettling. It's a monster from another dimension. I don't know if it's like from the Blind Eternities or whatever. I think the Maelstrom is like a different thing. Maybe I'm wrong on that. No, it wasn't it part of um, Alara, like when they had the Conflux. It was part of the Maelstrom. There uh, are there are many cards referencing Maelstrom from Alara, so that sounds right. All right, well, we will uh, do a little beyond consulting Vorthos expert Ryan Overturf and figure <laughs> that out, and uh, let, we'll get back to you. <laughs> well, first things first, congratulations to Ryan Overturf for making the top eight of Magic Fest Minneapolis. He finished in the semifinals. That's awesome. Congratulations. Seriously, like, he's such a great guy, and he is has a fantastic Magic mind, and I'm really happy that he got his first Grand Prix top eight. Yeah, and he did it without resorting to playing Hogak like everybody else. He played his super sweet mono-red prowess deck with, like, Bedlam Revelers and just face-smashing spells. So, for future listeners, if you're coming back, going back through our archive in future years, just understand, Hogak was a very broken deck, and 
Hopefully Wizards didn't punt it because we're obviously we can't read the future, but there's an f- upcoming ban restricted announcement. Hopefully Wizards banned it, but if they did and you hear Sorted Tales of Hogak, we're in the midst of this summer. That's right. Hogak summer for life. I will also note the Maelstrom. You were right. It was the storm of mana that was created during the Conflux, right? Kind of where all the Shards of Alara oh. met. And so... It's what Nicol Bolas used to get his original pre-mending Planeswalker abilities back. He kind of, like, got into the middle of it and absorbed its power somehow. So uh, the Wanderer either came out of it or went into it or did something with it, but was uh, aggressively spooky. And when I say aggressively spooky, Ryan was talking about the original Plane Chase art. Eternal Masters had new art where it's, like, looks kind of like a storm and with sparks. I- I'm I'm team original art. Yeah, Team Original Art's great. I Yeah, I, I'm Team Original Art. It really does look like a much more terrifying ghost that like Bill Murray would quip at before trying to capture. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and it's stylistic, which I think is, is really cool. Oh, yeah. This card is very dumb, as Ryan said. I think the way I would put it is this card combos with playing Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so it's it's pretty good. You should just play it. Are you like your worst case scenario is you could get a ponder and maybe like a shatter effect, and you're like... Uh, oh no, I have a 7-5 that goes on my creature's haste, and I'd look at the top three cards to draw a card, and I kill one of your artifacts. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's it's just very, very good. I haven't lived this dream, but I would love to live the dream of going Maelstrom Wanderer into Bloodbraid Elf, into Shardless Agent. Enjoy your Cascades. But you can get more Cascades. Yes, it's an ever-flowing waterfall of Wanderer. <laughs> Well, on that note, our last interview was with our last opponent. We both were, did a lot of battle bond. In our last battle bond to a giant draft, the opponents we played, we decided to sit down and interview one of our opponents. His name is Eric Carlstead, and he had a fantastic story about a very old school, yet very distinctive three-color legend. All right, we are here near the end of Magic Fest Minneapolis, and we just played and got smashed in a smashed. battle bond two-headed giant match against uh, Eric and Devin, and Eric has a three-color card he wants to remember for us. Yes, it's a fantastic card. Eric, what card is it? So it's Hazazon Tamar. It's a card from Legend, so you got to go way back to find it. It's also on the reserve list, so you're not going to see it reprinted anytime soon. Uh, so what Hazazon does is he's a 2-4 for 4 red, green, white. He's a human warrior, and when he enters the battlefield, he creates X-1-1 sand warrior tokens that are red, green, and white, at the beginning of your next upkeep, where X is the number of lands you control at that time. Uh, so the reason I love Hazazon Tamar is a couple of reasons, because the delayed trigger means you can set up a bunch of really fun shenanigans in Commander, which is where I love this card from, because you can just set up a crazy board state after a board wipe, and all of a sudden you're way ahead on board. Uh, but I also love this card because back when I started playing Magic, there were a lot of trade paperback novels. Uh, and the book about legends had a bunch of different stories about a bunch of different characters, including Hazazon Tamar, who was the protagonist of this particular book, who ended up being a planeswalker without actually being a planeswalker because he was able to do some cheaty teleportation magic that didn't exist in the magic universe at the time. So the story was fun. It's not very well really written, but none of them really are. But it, I love yeah. Hazazon Tamar. Uh, he's a great card, and I hope you have fun remembering this card too. Yeah, this is a good one. Like, how many Sand Warriors have you created? Uh, I remember one time where I cast him, and then in response to his trigger, I blinked him, cast him again, and then sacrificed him, so I was able to get twice as many. I think I had about 15 lands in play at the time, so it ended up being 30 Sand Warrior tokens. 
Yeah, it was pretty sick. That's dope. Yeah, that's pretty nice. One of my favorite things about Jesus on Tamar is because it is from Legends and on the reserve list, so they have never reprinted it, you cannot get red, green, and white warrior sand tokens. That is not a thing. So cards that make tokens that do not exist in the real world are yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, and it's a easy, unique token, right? There are no other sand warriors? No. Yep. no. Yeah. Oh, this unique. Is, oh, it's amazing. All right. All right. Well, thank you for uh, remembering these cards. We really appreciate it, and hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope so, too. Thank you very much. All right, so another Naya Commander, just like Greg gave us. This one is the ninth most popular, according to EDH Rec, and I think it's cool. It would be more popular if it weren't up to $160 and firmly stuck in the middle of the reserved list. You really have to love Commander to have a $160 card sitting on top of your deck. Right, and here's the context. According to Scryfall, this is again $160 real-life dollars. Like, you need to work so many hours in your job... <laughs> And you decide yeah. not to use it for basic necessities. You said, you know what? I'm going to get an old, one of old magic card they don't reprint anymore. Whereas if you go online to Magic Online and you're like, I want to build this deck of Magic Online, that's a cent. Well, it's .01 tickets. Oh, my apologies. So I don't know if that's analogous to a cent. You know, fake currency being what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> I will say, this card does have going for it that it's Richard Kane Ferguson art. Oh. And we do love some RKF here on the podcast. Yeah, so besides the fact that it's fantastic Richard Kane Ferguson art, it also has a distinction of having a unique creature token attached to it. That's right. We mentioned when we were talking to Eric that there's no physical token for this, but there are no other sand warriors in all of Magic. No, no sand warriors. That's it. Like, if you look up sand warrior in Scryfall, it's going to trick you because there's sand stone warrior and has a fire breathing ability. But don't believe those lies. There's just only one creature that makes Sand Warrior tokens. And as Eric was saying, Hazazan was a main character in a series of early aughts lore books from Wizards of the Coast. Back when they actually made novels that you could purchase or you can buy through fat packs. They made one about legends from the original legend set that had been released at that time seven years ago. Just reading the synopsis after we came back from Magic Fest Minneapolis, those stories seem bonkers. It just doesn't make sense. So we mentioned there's no token. Do you think we're ever going to see some reference to Sand Warriors, maybe on a future trip to Dominaria, where Hazaz and Tamar is from? Yeah, or Tarkir. They retcon him into Tarkir. You just want everybody to be from Tarkir. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Okay. That's, that's the best plane. Well, that seems unlikely. So there's a, there's a lot of lore about Hazaz and Tamar. Do you know what's going on here? Because I was really impressed that Eric just... Had the deets. Oh, yeah, no, no. This is all old magic novels. Yeah, it's all bonkers. It's all crazy. All right, well, if I can find something, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So, all right, let's recap quickly. Calvin Chang talked about flying crane technique. Eli Loveman, Obzon Charm. Greg Michael, Gehiji, Honored One. Andrew Ellenbogen gave us Sidisi Brood Tyrant. Ian Jensen talked about Zergo Helm Smasher. Ryan Overturf, Maelstrom Wander. And Eric Carlstead, Hazazan Tamar. All right, you first, Christian. We're almost done. Favorite part of this weekend? Favorite part of this weekend? Hanging out with you a ton. Honestly, it was fantastic. We talk to each other every week uh, through the video. You know, we do this podcast, but it's great to spend time with you and uh, hang out with your family. As far as magic-wise, actually holding and playing a real-life Library of Alexandria is something I don't think I'll be able to top until I own a real-life Library of Alexandria on my own. So that was that was the highlight. Yeah, Power Cube is nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, for me, I mean, seeing Ryan top eight was incredible. 
Getting to draft a cube with you at my local store, introduce you to my local magic community was awesome. Getting to know some people in person who I'd only chatted with on the internet, always extremely cool. And I even got to play a little Hogak after oh, hours. You gacked it. I got to gack it. It was great. Yeah, wonderful weekend. Always love having the uh, GP slash Magic Fest in the hometown. Before we go, I want to talk a little bit more about our rebrand. We knew from the beginning that our name was a little clunky. A tad. A tad. A tad. Uh, it was descriptive. Yes. Just a tad clunky. Yes. We're now up to episode number 43, and so we are long past time to make this change. We also found out that the sports website Deadspin has a series of articles called Let's Remember Some Guys. Yes. In which they talk about figures from the olden days of sports, and it predated us apparently by a lot. Yeah. I watched a video they did in which they cracked open a pack of baseball cards and just remembered the guys in there, and I'm like, that is like exactly what we're doing. Yeah, well, I mean... Yeah, so, uh, you know, a little too similar for our liking. So we wanted something magic-related that fit with the theme of the podcast. And what better than Memory Jar? It's a reserve list card from Urza's Legacy. It takes a long time to remember. It just has a fitting name. Yeah. Yeah, so real quick... Behind the scenes story, when we first post this podcast, we were both part of our DC LGS Discord, and we were super excited. We said, okay, here's the first episode. It's called Let's Room Some Cards. Please give us feedback and stuff. And the very first comment from Sean, he's a level one judge. He's a fantastic guy. Why didn't you call it Memory Jar? And I was so angry, so (laughs) incensed that like this is the perfect name, and I missed it. I decided we'd have to wait 40-something episodes you yeah. would change the name. So, uh, Sean, thank you for the name suggestion over a year ago. And uh, finally, I'll take your suggestion to heart. So. Yeah, you you were right from day one. See, nobody can say we don't pay attention to our listeners. No, we don't. We do. We just might hold it and nurse that for a good, solid uh, year plus. Just, just take some time. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. So we'd like to give a special thanks to Chris Yates, who you can find at cmycompany.com and at cmycompany on Twitter for our new logo. That's company with a K, so it starts with C-M-Y-K, like the color model for you design nerds out there. Chris is a great guy, and uh, also Mazel Tov, he just got engaged. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. No, he, he did the new logo for us, and we are, are very appreciative. Check out his work, he's, he's great. All right, well, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at RememberMTG. That hasn't changed yet. Don't be surprised if it does soon. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll uh, still follow us after the change. But we would love your feedback about the show. Do you like the new name? Please tell us. If you have a suggestion, we won't wait 40 episodes to deal with it. (laughs) And please, tell us what cards you want to remember. Well, until next time, I just realized that we need a new way to close the show. I normally say, don't forget to remember some cards, but that just doesn't make sense like it used to. Listeners, give us a catchphrase. Tweet one at us. We need a couple of options to try out. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.